When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Manchester United weekly podcast covering all things Manchester United. Match previews, reports, reviews, youth roundups, loan roundups and your questions. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 11 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we let off some steam after one of the worst defeats of the last few seasons, 4-0 at Stamford Bridge. In contrast, it was an, an excellent win at home to Fenerbahce, 4-1, topped off by a wonderful reception, um, one that very few people would get any ground, uh, a wonderful reception from Van Percy. We'll discuss that in comparison to a truly awful defeat at Chelsea. Um, Jack, perhaps uh, the hardest question, given the consistent terribleness of every single player in the side on Sunday, is who, who is our worst player? Huh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely one of the hardest questions. I'm honestly not sure I can answer that. I, I, I don't. I think it, it got to a point in the game where it got so bad, I, I almost stopped thinking about who was playing the worst because everyone was just absolutely diabolical. The contrast in the midfield from the game at Anfield, where they Played pretty well, um, and and it would shut down Liverpool's attack so well. To the Chelsea game with the same people in that central midfield area was incredible. So I'd be tempted to say one of Herrera or Fellaini, but I mean none none of the back four covered themselves in any kind of glory. Neither, neither did David De Gea with his mistake for the first goal. I, I I honestly don't think you could say any person could be singled out actually as as being the worst player because everyone was so. So so terrible that it would almost be unfair to to make any player worse than the others because that would be giving the others some kind of credit for not being the worst, <laughs> and they no one deserves any credit coming out of that game. That's eloquently put. Yeah, 
It's difficult. I mean, I wrote down Chris Morley basically giving away four goals in 90 minutes in arguably his worst performance in United shirt. But then again, Daily Blind also had his worst performance in United shirt. Um, and Marcus Rojo just had another worst performance in United shirt because he's never really had a good performance in United shirt. Um, yeah, it, it was a really terrible game. There's not a huge amount to say except that it was terrible, I think. Um, and it was interesting to hear Gary Neville say that he thinks there's an overreaction to it. Not not in terms of the defeat, but in terms of the, the response to a defeat of this nature. He thinks there'll be an overreaction to Mourinho. And there has some people think he should be sacked. Very few people who clearly have very small brains. And if any of you are listening, please do challenge me on this. But I genuinely think it's a ridiculous idea to suggest Jose Mourinho should be sacked after what is it, 10 games? Yeah, it's difficult to say who was worse. Instead of looking at who, how bad it was, why don't we sort of scrap that and look at the the solutions to the the uh, the plethora of issues that have arisen out of this game and out of various games? Um, the first of mine, and feel free to raise many more because there is a there's a massive list of possibilities at the moment. First of mine leaving the defence apart, and we will move on to the defence because the fact that Eric Bailly is now set to be out for a couple of months is terrifying. First of mine would be Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Paul Pogba. I think, and I think a lot of people agree with me, that Zlatan should be dropped. That's because he's dropping too deep, coincidentally. I think he being our number nine, not that he's acting as a number nine, is preventing Paul Pogba and Rashford, and Lingard, and Martial, and Mata, and whoever's playing in those three positions behind him, and the furthest forward midfielder, I think he's stopping them from affecting the game as much. And his average position was near Pogba's on Sunday, and his average position was near Rashford. But he's the striker. And it's completely... I know it's how he plays, but at the moment, I'd rather have Paul Pogba playing better than Zlatan playing better because Zlatan's also missing the chances that he does get and he's getting plenty of them. So my first issue would be drop Zlatan. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree there. I tweeted um, very quickly about this after the game yesterday. Uh, I said pretty much the same thing. Zlatan has been... He's kind of gone unnoticed in the media. There's been so much attention on on Pogba not living up to his price tag, but Zlatan, has, has, since, since the first four or five games, has really not performed well at all. I can think off the top of my head of at least three or four games where he should have put away one or two chances in in every one of those games. You go back to the Stoke game where he had tons and tons of chances. He had a good chance against Watford, great chance against Liverpool that would have sealed the game. And and again in this one in this one against Chelsea, I just think he almost needs to kick up the backside. And whether that's whether that will happen for him being dropped, who knows? But it can't make it any worse than it currently is. I agree with you. I think he is dropping way too deep. And I think that is hindering, especially when Pogba plays in the number 10 role, I think it hinders Pogba. Because he's always looking for a forward pass and often there, there just isn't one. And I think Rashford playing out wide, although he's playing very well out wide generally, obviously that's not his favourite, favourite position. He needs to be playing up front and he needs to be playing there for as much as he can, basically. And I think if we did drop Ibrahimovic, it would just open up a few more options. We do have him on the bench if, if we need him. Hopefully, it will make him realise that his place in the squad isn't assured because I don't think he's ever, well, not ever, but I don't think he's had that in quite a while where, A, he's not had a run like this where he hasn't scored in this many games 
And also, I, I'm not sure he's ever felt like he could be dropped, especially at PSG, where he was the the star player in a star-studded lineup. There was almost no no question of him ever not starting. And I think if we can show him that he's not that invincible figure now, then I think that that might be that might help increase his performance level when he comes back into the team. I think it's fair to say that had he scored the chances which he'd be expected to score, not not the difficult chances, the chances that he's expected to score and has scored previously in those opening games of the season, I think it's fair to say that we'd be both top of the league or joint top of the league, as a couple of teams are at the moment, and top of our Europa League group. And for me, that is quite shocking, the fact that that would probably be true if he'd put away the chances that he's been given. I read before the week, this weekend's game that we have the highest chances made to chances conceded ratio in the Premier League. So we've made the mo- the difference between our chances conceded, so chances on our goal and chances made, mainly for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is the biggest positive out of anyone in the league. But we're not scoring very many. And I think we would have beaten Stoke had he finished his chances. We would have beaten Feyenoord if he'd finished his chances. We would have beaten City or at least drawn. Um, I think we could have got a little back, maybe one goal back against Chelsea. I don't think we would have beaten them from that position. I think it's shocking. Could have beaten Liverpool as well. Yes. Yeah. Every every game since he stopped scoring, I think we, we would have won had he put away those chances and that's very worrying and the one game in which he didn't play is the one game in which Paul Bobbo's truly flourished and that was against Fenerbahce where Zlatan wasn't interfering in Paul Pogba's freedom and I think we're so focused on who his Paul Pogba's midfield partner is and yes having Michael Carrick there on Thursday against Fenerbahce helps massively and I think Michael Carrick should be his midfield partner for the big games as against City on Wednesday. I think we're so focused on the midfield issues that we're not focusing on another issue. And that's the fact that Paul Popper's playing number 10 and so is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And no one's playing number 9. And we've got two number 9s in Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial, both playing on the wing. We've got Zlatan playing in a position he's not meant to. And what's really worrying is that the issue of last season of Van Gaal playing Martial and Rashford out of position is still there. The issue of our striker... <laughs> Wayne Rooney, who is now on the bench, now Zlatan Ibrahimovic, dropping too deep and interfering with our number 10 and creative players, is still there. The defensive issues are still there. Lack of concentration in the defence, poor set pieces in attack are still there. All these issues are still there, and they were just sort of clouded over by a couple of good wins at the start of the season. And yes, I admit, I think everyone, including me, was positive after that start of the season. And yes, even we forgot about those issues. But they're coming back up. They need to be dealt with. Um, and, and and it's very worrying that he hasn't really learned from that. Yeah, 100%. I think we all, we all got a little bit carried away at, this, at the beginning of the season. And fair enough, you know, I don't think we, we'd had a, a decent run like that in, in quite a while. But I, I think for me, I'd, I'd agree that one of the most annoying and worrying things isn't necessarily that we have problems. We've made a lot of signs. We have a new manager. You, you expect a few teething problems. It's, it's the fact that a lot of the problems are exactly the same ones that we've had in the last three or four seasons. And ever since Sir Alex Ferguson has left, we've not had a settled, we've not had a set, settled starting 11. We've had issues with playing, trying to fit certain people into certain teams. 
had an issue of playing Wayne, Wayne Rooney, finding out where his best position is. We seem to not, not be capable of making big signings work. And all of those problems are just rearing their ugly head yet again this season. And in much the same way that they were last season. And that, for me, that, that's what is making this situation all the, all the worse because not only do we not seem to have made much progress from last season, it, we, we also haven't really improved on, on any, or maybe a few, but not enough of the big issues from last season. You look at the likes of Wayne Rooney, still don't know where his best position is or if he should be playing at all, which we still had last season. Defensively, when we, when we don't play particularly defensively, we still look shaky, which we still had last season. Going forward, we still, we're creating more this season, but we're still not, we're still not scoring enough goals, just like last season. And the, the, the personnel might have changed, but the problems keep persisting and Mourinho needs to find a way of dealing with them as soon as possible because we are losing far too much ground already on the, on the, uh, likes of City, Tottenham and Arsenal. And if that continues any longer, then we're going to be out of this title race. Yep. Um, an excellent article from Jacob Steinberg sort of goes on, on that point of, new personnel but have the issues really changed and is is a, a more long-term approach necessary and I, I, I'm going to criticise Mourinho but I think it's worth noting that it's going to take time to change I think we have bigger issues than other teams do um, and he's got a bigger challenge than other teams do and other new, new managers like Conte and, and Guardiola do but this this argument about him, him, this being the start of his United career is, it's just complete rubbish. He's been at United, um, for so so he's known about basically getting the United job since January. He's definitely known since May because that's when he got the job. He arrived at United officially on July, but he's been planning definitely since May. He was given all four of the players he wanted in Pogba, Zlatan, uh, Eric Bailly, and Henrik Mkhitaryan. One of them is needlessly on the bench every week, despite recovering from injury and being the Bundesliga's best player last season. The other one, we don't know how to use Paul Pogba, despite buying him. Um, Zlatan is interfering with another one of our players. Um, and Eric Bailly has been excellent. Fair enough on that one. And now may be injured. Meanwhile, Antonio Conte arrived at Chelsea after the Euros in July. Um, didn't get all the signings he wanted, but has managed to instill a style of football much quicker. And I think that's what's worrying for me. This isn't a Mourinho team. And yes, it's going to take time, but I'd like to see some evidence of that more quickly. And there's so much inconsistency. For example, Liverpool was an excellent defensive performance. And then you come to Chelsea and you sort of half do that. You half try to do that defensive performance but then you slightly change it to put Rashford in there, maybe to make it seem like you're more attacking, but it just gets rid of the defensive solidity. So what's the point of it? It's been it's been a strange start to the season, honestly, because as, as we said, we were very positive at the start of the season. Um, and, I, and I think rightly so, to be fair. I don't think we'd seen so, so much to be positive about in the, la- in the last few years. Um, but then it just seems like Everything has gone stagnant around the club at, at the moment. E- everyone seems very down. Everyone, everyone feels seems like no one has an answer to what has been going wrong. Um, and I, I think 
our team needs some more some, some some kind of identity that we don't have right now, and I think we we've been missing for for quite a while. Um, we don't seem to have a style of play that seems to work. And as great as Mourinho is usually in big games, and although the Liverpool game wasn't a great spectacle, I I'm not as against playing defensively as some other people are. Um, but the the issue with that sometimes is that the team almost becomes, or it almost gets a, a split personality in a way because you play in games against the teams like Feyenoord, like uh, sorry Fenerbahce, like we did last week, and you play great attacking football. You come out, you attack from all all sides, all corners. Every, everyone's flying forward at every opportunity, and it, and sometimes it pays over. Works really well, like it does against Fenerbahce. But then, just three days later, when you're asked to play. A, a completely different style of football, and we're not we're not just talking a few people here and there. We're talking the entire team is being asked to shift completely in the way that they're playing. It it can it creates a kind of split personality for the team that I don't think is conducive to making a great team. It it there needs to be some consistency, and people people need to know what our strongest lineup is, and there just isn't one right now it, at all. Um, Gary Neville made the point and, uh, when he was speaking after the game that he doesn't think Mourinho knows what his best team is. And I, I have to agree because the, the team seems to chop, chop and change so much. People seem to be moving positions so much. I mean, the fact that we spent a world record fee on Paul Pogba and even his position, his best position, is unknown. is honestly just ridiculous. How can you spend that much money on a player and A, and either not know where their best position is or be moving them around to accommodate other people. You spend that much money on someone, then you surely have to build the team around them and you play them in their best position every week. And for us to not even know what his best position is, frankly, is ridiculous. And it needs to change very, very quickly. Yeah, and it begs the question, what has he been doing? I mentioned that he's been here since May. He's been planning. Yes, Pogba and Zlatan, both taking holidays after the Euros, weren't in pre-season. But surely Mourinho, before he signed them, thought, "Right, how are, how are these going to fit into my team?" And if he if he didn't, what was he doing? Because he got all four of the signings he wanted. Van Gaal didn't get that. Moyes didn't get that. And some some comparisons to those two are stupid, such as uh, the points total and the goal scored. I I, I don't care. Like this is a, a a new thing. It doesn't matter comparing goals and points to to previous managers. What I do care about was. Edward would delivered on that transfer window superbly and, and praise to him. And Mourinho has got his signings and isn't using them effectively at all. And that, I, I think that's incredibly worrying. And moving into the defence, a lot of people said, oh, we need another centre-back, not just Bay. Eric Bay could be out for three or four months now. Hopefully it's less than that. And even if it is less than that, as soon as he recovers, he's going to the African Cup of Nations and will be away for another two months. So for the next four months, probably, we have very few options. Our, our backup centre-back is going to be Marcus Rojo. And if Phil Jones ever recovers from uh, terminal knee injuries and uh, leg injuries and hamstring injuries and anything he can possibly think of to get injured, um, then Jones is another option. But Rojo and Jones as your backup centre-back partnership is an absolutely terrifying prospect. And... That then you see on Sunday, why was Shaw not on the bench and Rojo was? It it just seems odd that 
so, some selection issues, particularly in big games, have been shocking. City, Liverpool was slightly wrong. Um, Chelsea was mo- most definitely wrong. And also going back to this point about perhaps we need a long-term plan, not a short-term plan. And this is what Jacob Steinberg wrote about in The Guardian um, on Monday night. Was that so? So it's 2016, and Michael Carrick is still our best and most effective midfielder, and the most consistent, and that's worrying. And we we sort of scattered some sort of stardust in Paul Burns, Latan, and Mkhitaryan, who's been scattered over the bench and not on the actual team. And we haven't really looked at at, at the vital issues which are underlying this team, and isn't just to do with individuals, and it's more to do with the style of play. Um, a, a sustainable sort of idea about how we're going to replace these players in the future because Carrick is now 34 I think Rooney's we're recording this on Wayne Rooney's birthday and that there isn't replacements for some of our, our key players and we're sort of buying players who have the the personality certainly and this is what one thing Gary Neville said we're finally buying players who fit the caliber of Manchester United yes but do they fit into our team well, so far, no. And a lot of things are worrying. Um, and the defence is particularly worrying. Uh, one other thing before we move on from uh, this this miserable discussion. None of the players, none at all, went to the away fans at the end of the game. And they were laughing around with the Chelsea players. Like, how is that the attitude? And it, if it is the attitude, and, and it shouldn't be, why are they showing it publicly? If it is the attitude, keep it out of sight of the fans who have just spent 90 minutes singing. I've probably spent about £110 getting down to London, watching the game, and then getting back up. And then, despite losing 4-0 to quite significant rivals in quite a key game, having already had some had some poor defeats this season, they've sung their hearts out for 90 minutes. And then they're going to go back and, and pay more money to watch City. And, and they just walk off laughing with their... their international teammates and laughing with people who they used to play with uh, and this is one area where those old footballers who complain about it, you don't think oh that's that's quite a your dad thing to say i think that's completely fair enough don't don't do that to the fans who have just spent ages money probably lost their voices as well singing about a team who are losing four they were forcing antonio conte to get his own crowd going i felt i felt very sorry for those fans after the game like like you said not only have they spent so much money probably getting those tickets, getting getting down to London for the game. They've also had to sit through that diabolical performance and then not not have the team show them any kind of appreciation at all. And yeah, there was the, a, um, a picture of, of Zlatan after the game, which is spread spread pretty quickly, um, of him just, you know, laughing and joking after the game. And after the performance that he put in on, on Sunday, and then also the way he has been performing in the last month or so for him to for him to just feel like he can laugh and joke after the game is frankly ridiculous um and and yeah i think the the fans have a definite right to be very very angry with with the players after after that game not just the performance but the way that they treated the fans afterwards as well and i think i think Mourinho in in needs to get a hold of that he needs to Make sure the players understand what is going on right now, and make them see how badly they are performing, and that they owe the fans a lot because the fans have been uh, been tested a lot in the last few years. They've been treated to some very, very below par performances for by Man United standards, and 
they've stuck with the team through thick and thin, and now the players need to start paying them back. Um, yeah, before we move on, let, let's just go through our conclusions from from that. Drop Zlatan. Um, who, who would you put up as the number nine instead of him? I'd put Rashford up front, Martial um, still wide, and bring Henrik Mkhitaryan back. Because it, it's it's getting a bit like Shiggy Kagawa all over again. Um, a great Bundesliga player, Bundesliga player of the year, and he's on the bench. So fr- free Henrik, um, get him back in the team, drop Zlatan, put Pogba where he was successful against Fenerbahce, bring Juan Mata back in, um, and, and have a midfield of Pogba, Michael Carrick and Herrera. And I, th- I think that would be very tasty. I'd agree with that. That seems like the best way forward, honestly. Why we changed so much from Fenerbahce, I don't really know. Yeah, um, and, and in terms of the defence, let's get <laughs> let's get rid of Marcus Rojo as a, as a left-back. Bring Luke Shaw back as a left-back because he, you know, actually is a left-back, un- unlike Rojo and Blind. Um, and sadly, we're going to have to have Smalling and Blind as our, our centre-back pairing. Right, let's move on to a, a youth roundup. Since we last spoke to you um, before the Liverpool game, we've had a lot of youth news. At under-18 level, we beat Wolves 5-2, with all five goals coming in the opening 32 minutes from Tahith Chong, two for Indy Boonen, and one each for DJ Buffonge and Nishan Barkart. Um, the under-16 side won the Football for Freedom trophy, or the Premier League International Tournament, um, at Liverpool's academy training ground before beating um, having beaten Fulham on penalties in the final before the game at Anfield. Um, then on Tuesday after that game, United and Liverpool's under-23 sides drew 1-1. Uh, Warren Joyce's team against a very strong Liverpool side, including uh, Sacco, Danny Ings, Thiago Ayori and Marco Grujic. Um, a, a good performance from them. And later that week, the under-15s were beaten 5-3 by Liverpool in the Blades Cup final at Stalybridge Celtic, despite being 3-1 up at half-time. Um, disappointing to lose in that way but a good experience and good to see us entering more tournaments at these age groups um, something Nicky Butt has implemented recently and deserves praise for in youth international news Leo Connor captained the Republic of Ireland's under 17 side to qualification for the Euros during the last couple of weeks Nishan Barkar has scored twice in two games for Switzerland's under 17 side against the Faroe Islands and Luxembourg Angel Gomez has been called up for England's under 17 side for Euro qualifiers later this month uh, in youth transfer news, I told you there was lots to talk about. Um, United have signed former Ajax and right, former Ajax right winger Milan Bars. Uh, the 16-year-old left the Dutch club after a disagreement between him and the coaches at Ajax, and will be able to play for United's under-18 side in January. Most recently, United's under-23s won 1-0 against Arsenal at home after Roshan Williams gave the Reds an early lead from a corner, his first goal at any level for United. They now play Spurs on Friday at 12pm lunchtime. In other news, yes, there's more. Marcus Rashford finished second in the European Golden Boy Awards, which Martial won last year. That was to Bayern Munich's Renato Sanchez. And Timothy Fossimenza has signed a new contract at the club, which is excellent news. And hopefully we'll see him given a few more chances. He's played in midfield against Fenerbahce and had a very good performance, which was good to see. Uh, now, there's uh, some loan news to tell you about, some good, some bad. James Wilson has suffered an anterior cruciate ligament injury on loan at Derby County in training and will undergo surgery on his knee. A real shame for him. Andreas Pereira and Joel Pereira were the only two United loanees in action during the weekend. 
Andreas played 80 minutes for Granada in a draw against Sporting Gijón, while Joel Pereira played against Benfica, uh, a very good experience for him. His first in the Primera Liga for the Portuguese side, Belenenses. That was a 2-0 defeat, but he was rated as their best player by who scored. Very good news for him. That's his second game for them this season, his first in the league. And Adnan Yenzai should be back from injury soon for Sunderland. He didn't quite make the squad for the game against West Ham at the weekend, but should return soon for the Black Cats. Now, Jack, uh, not not a lot of time to right some wrongs on the training ground. Uh, Manchester City on Wednesday evening. I'm going. I'm nervous. Michael Carrick and Luke Shaw have to start, as should Mkhitaryan and Martial. Yeah, as you, as you said, not much not much time really to to work on things on the training ground, but it needs a change in mentality. I think a change in approach. I'd like to see us come out and play a bit more attacking. Because at the end of the day, this is the EFL Cup. It's not, it's not a, a major, major, um, trophy and it is a one-off game. So if you lose, you're out of the cup. It's no, it's not, no big deal because the defensive approach obviously isn't working. It's disrupting us so badly going forward. We need to try and get the best out of our attacking players. And we've gone through the lineups that we, we would like to see. I hope that we come out of the game with a bit more respect, a bit more of a respectable scoreline than we, we did on Sunday. Um, and it would be great to get some revenge against City from for the uh, Premier League defeat earlier in the season. So I, I think that's the key thing. Our defence at the moment, especially with Eric Bayer's injury, is is so poor, which is strange for a Mourinho side. And our midfield clearly isn't working at the moment. That's something to work on. But that can be dealt with because we have good players, unlike in the defence. Our real talent is up front. We've got Zlatan. Yes, we've criticised him, but he's still a very good striker. We've got Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford. Martial, European Golden Boy last year. Rashford, second in the European Golden Boy this year. Then you've got Henrik Mkhitaryan who can play behind them. You've got Paul Pogba who can play behind them. Juan Mata, Jesse Lingard. Um, if you go deeper, you've got Memphis Depay. You've got Wayne Rooney. Incredible that we're forgetting about him. Yes, he's, he's on the down, but he's still a, a good player and definitely a very good option off the bench. And I think he would have been at Chelsea to come off, but sadly he was injured. Maybe he'll still be injured for Wednesday. But our emphasis should be on attack because that's the only area at the moment where we're good at. So to focus on defence seems completely irrational because we're not good at defending, but we are good at attacking if we focus on attacking. And yes, we might concede a few goals and Mourinho is not going to like that, but we just conceded four when we tried to defend. So... What what else can we do except attack? Because we're clearly not very good at defending. Yes, it was very good against Liverpool, but that's because we played six men in, in, in defence. Why don't we use our attacking players as attacking players? And then we might start to see some results, maybe not using all of them. I, I think we need to focus on attack, not defence, because we're not very good at defending. We are good at attacking. Yeah, I have to agree with that. It's... Um... It's been strange, I think, to see the way that we've set up in the big game so far because the exception of the Liverpool game is almost been defensive mindsets but a kind of half-hearted attempt at it. I go back to the the um, the City game at home and we did set up relatively defensively but it wasn't wasn't anything like what you would expect from, from a Mourinho team. And I, I just think if we're going to do it, you need to do it right. But 
I don't think we should be doing it at all. And I hope that we do start focusing more on actually playing ourselves in these big games. Um, the fact that Mourinho plays so defensively, I think it, to me at least, it almost sends a message of, I don't trust the team to play well enough if against against the bigger teams if they go out there and attack to actually win us the game. It sends the message of, we're just here to survive because, you know, if we come out and attack you, then we are we're going to get absolutely battered every every time. Um, and I don't think that's the kind of message that we really want to be sending. So I hope that we do come out and we and we attack a bit more, especially like I said in a, in a one off knockout game. If we lose, it is just just one game. It's not going to affect the rest of the season or anything. So hopefully we come out. They're a bit more of an attacking football. We get some rhythm going. Um, try and get Pogba firing again. Hopefully see Rashford playing up front and show, so that he can show us what he can do. Because he's been one of the few bright sparks that has remained bright throughout the season so far. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll see him perform well. See Pogba flourish in the way he looks for Nabachi. And just generally see a more attacking performance from the team. Gerard West. Uh, has sent in a tweet saying Zlatan and Pogba should be dropped. They are sleepwalking. Carrick should start. Need more pace up front. Uh, I wouldn't agree with the Pogba thing, but apart from that, yes, Jared, you're right. Well done. Um, uh, another question, sort of on this thing about doing defence right. Uh, Ollie Emerson, who is a guest on, on last week's show, says, what do you think influenced Jose in changing from Ashley Young to Jesse Lingard after his plan worked against Liverpool? I don't know. I sort of alluded to it earlier that maybe he wanted to to not only seem more attacking but be more attacking, and that's odd because if you're going to defend away from home, defend away from home. Don't defend away from home and, and just sort of stick Rashford in there, hoping that he'll he'll provide some magic because most likely he will. And in a normal game, he would have done had any of his teammates bothered to play. At a at a reasonable level, expected on a football pitch at, at a championship level, let alone a Premier League level. But I think if you're going to play as with Rashford as a wing back, don't play with Rashford. There's no point. He was ineffective, and it wasn't just his fault. It, there was no point of him being on that pitch because there was no need for him to be the wing back. Why not put Ashley Young as a wing back? Because a he can cross better than Rashford. He can pass better than Rashford in most situations. Yes, he's probably he's not as exciting. He can't just bring something like that. But if you're going to use Rashford as wing back, don't use Rashford at all. Is what I think, and I I don't know why he's done it. It's completely baffling as many of the decisions have been so far. I couldn't really see what the thinking was behind Young being dropped. I was shocked that Young played against Liverpool in the first place, but he then played very very well. So you know, fair enough, uh, the decision vindicated. But then. To bring him in in a game like that and then to drop him after a great performance was, it, it was very, very strange. And like you said, it, what, I, there was really no point at all in playing Rashford at a wing back over Ashley Young because the only trait that a wing back needs that Rashford is better at than Young is obviously going past people. But as a wing back, you're, you're not going to be doing that for the majority of the game, especially against a team like Chelsea. And so, I don't see why what the thinking was behind putting Rashford in a situation where he can't use his best qualities, and he is stifled to such an extent that he can't he can't get into the game at all. Especially when you have someone like Ashley Young sitting on the bench, 
who proved not a week before that he can play that position very, very well. Um, so I have no idea what influenced Mourinho to do that. Um, but whatever it was, it was, it, it seemed a very, very strange decision. That's all we have time for on one of our more miserable Manchester United weekly podcasts. Um, honestly, we thought we'd got past these miserable episodes when uh, Van Gaal left at the end of last season, but clearly not. Uh, lessons still to be learned, mistakes still to be fixed. Um, hopefully we'll be discussing something more positive next week. We've got City on Wednesday and then Burnley on Saturday, which is actually our first game which isn't on TV this whole season. And we're at the end of October, which is incredible. Um, slightly annoying for, for the away fans, generally. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tape, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harriman64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. Like I said, we'll be back next week. Hopefully something more positive. But, uh, yeah, let's hope something changes in the next week. Goodbye. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.